Well, folks, welcome to the Noble Man Podcast, episode number 55. And listen, we are this month uh, talking about April wisdom. We always recognize April 1st as April Fool's Day, but I told our team, hey, let's not concentrate on being foolish. There's enough of that in the world. Let's concentrate on being wise men. And so we're doing a series this month uh, called April Wisdom. And I want to reference a verse for you. Uh, that I love, a couple of verses, actually, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says this, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. So we want to walk as wise men in these times. And wow, have we got a wise man here uh, to to join us for our podcast today that you're going to enjoy hearing from, you're going to be challenged by. And uh, that guy's name is Steve Hall. Steve is the founder of Joseph's Way Ministry, and uh, he's going to help us understand what they do and how it applies to your life. So, Steve, welcome, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, Mike, thank you so much. It's been great over the past several years to partner with Noble Warriors. Um, we've been very blessed to give uh, four different workshops at your men's conferences over the past several years, and thank you for this opportunity. Um, yeah, really briefly, I... Um, you know, I, I grew up in a home that was um, not uh, really religiously focused um, when I was younger, and God got a hold of me during a four-month hospital stay that I had uh, back in the ninth grade, and I cried out to Him. Uh, nobody had witnessed to me. Nobody had shared the gospel with me, and He just heard my my cry um, during that time, and He broke into my life uh, during that hospital stay, and uh, everything changed after that. I um. Uh, you know, I came to Christ. I didn't even realize what had happened to me until a few months later. I, I learned w- watching um, a, a Christian uh, television program some months later that I'd actually been converted. And it wasn't until I got to college a couple of years later that I began reading the Bible, joined a, um, an evangelical church, and felt a call to ministry um, back in college. I was at college at William and Mary. And um, felt very compelled right after college to go to seminary at Gordon-Conwell, um, where I got an MDiv uh, a number of years ago. And since that time, um, I later went to law school at the University of Virginia, and I've served both as a deacon and as an elder in evangelical uh, Presbyterian churches. But I've had many friends and great relationships in, uh, with uh, folks in, in other denominations and churches, uh, mainly here in Richmond, but also in Northern Virginia. So um, done a lot of Bible teaching, um, mentoring men, um, leading small groups, preaching some. So and uh, obviously investing time in Joseph's way. Yeah. Well, now, so I have to hit a couple of things here. I did not know that we share our undergrad alma mater uh, because did, I'm a William and Mary grad as well. And oh. so uh, that's hark upon the gale or whatever it is that yeah. we're supposed yeah. to say. I can't remember. But uh, yeah. that's pretty fun. So yeah. very yeah. cool. Now, it, it, it also strikes me that your story about crying out to God and recognizing his presence as a ninth grader who was in the hospital for an extended stay, um, having not been witnessed to, that strikes me as, as God's just grace in general. I think it's, it's the Romans one understanding of God is present and reveals himself to people who have never even heard the gospel and, and they can come to him. I, that's off the topic. We didn't plan for that, but, but speak to that for just a moment because you probably have some insight there. 
Well, I think one of the things that it, it, I didn't I didn't learn the, the theological sure. implication of this until later, but it has to do with you know God um, really choosing us and seeking us out before mm-hmm. we even know how to seek Him, and uh, you know if He wants you, He wants you. Yeah, and He was not going to let a lack of a human instrument keep me from knowing Him. Wow. And uh, yeah, so I was just very very grateful. Um, that he he really reached down and used that time and and I, I'd been praying you know prior to that time but I never knew what it meant to commit my life to Christ right and I did that during that time and and people mentioned how different I was uh, during the hospital stay after I had cried out to him and I didn't realize what had happened until until some months later so yeah and uh, he, he he preserved me long enough to let me get into school and get into a good church and he kept me out of a fair amount of trouble. Uh, in the meantime, so I was there. You go. It, it preserved you until you could be discipled uh, and and get that journey going. That's awesome. You know, I, I would just make a comment for the folks that are listening, guys. I, I get into conversations frequently with men about their testimonies, and and sometimes we'll end up with testimony envy because someone seems to have a better testimony than than mine. And you know what? Your story of how God chose you, called you, and you responded is personal and it's something that no one can take from you. So I, I, I just, again, not part of what our conversation was intended to be, but make sure you are ready and willing to share the story of how you came to faith in Jesus Christ with others, because you can never tell who that will be an encouragement for and how that will bless them and spur them on in their walk or their movement toward Jesus. So uh, that's completely free in this whole thing. So let's let's get to the matter at hand. Joseph's Way, um, I love this ministry. It's unique. It's not, I, when I first heard of it, I had some, some ideas about what it was, but then as I dug in and understood, man, the wisdom of the message that you guys are sharing to be prepared so that God is glorified and we can help others in the time of crisis. And I know there's much more to that. So just unpack for us the big... Uh, 40,000 view of what Joseph's Way is all about. Um, and basically, it's, it, our ministry is named after Joseph in the book of Genesis. And um, uh, we, what we're focused on is trying to help Christian families and churches prepare for challenges in three areas, but in ways that equip them to help others during a crisis, not just helping themselves. The first area is uh, natural and man-made emergencies, including things like the pandemic. And again, we started back in 2012, uh, so you know, we, uh, years before the pandemic, um, uh, we we try to help families and churches to prepare for those kinds of emergencies, but in ways that equip them to serve others during the emergency. If if we prepare ahead of time, we will be better able to help others during a crisis, and we won't be running around like chickens with our heads cut off during the crisis. And uh, one of the things that we focus on, though, is to help families and churches to be lighthouses in a crisis, not bunkers. And we push very, very hard, very hard against the bunker mentality, because that does not honor Christ. It doesn't mean that you don't have to be wise sometimes about certain things, and that can include you know, um, self-defense and certain issues but we want people to be geared towards ministry in a crisis, not just self-preservation. Uh, self-preservation 
uh, by itself does not glorify God. Um, he wants us to be serving and loving people well. And the more that we can do in preparing ahead of time, including with others, including with neighbors, if they're willing, um, the better off we're all going to be. Um, a lot of other organizations that encourage emergency preparation tell you of, to approach things very differently. And it's really all about saving yourself or saving your family and no one else. And, um, you know, I told you the story about the man at one of our, one of your conferences in Fredericksburg, where we gave a workshop who said, Steve, you know, I've been doing emergency preparation for years, but I always felt like something was missing. And it's because that he, you know, all these other groups were telling him how to save himself. And that was it. And I said, well, yeah, the gospel was missing. The love of Christ was missing. So that's, you know, that's our first issue area, natural man-made emergencies. We also look at legal challenges to the Christian faith, and we try to connect churches and Christian organizations with competent, capable, experienced attorneys that can help them to prepare for and respond to those challenges when needed. And I would, uh, and, I, and I am a, a trained attorney, and I, I have some knowledge of church-state law, but not nearly as much as these people. And um, uh, we strongly encourage people to, to, to pay for experience because in the long run, it will be wiser than trying to rely on free, well-intentioned help, um, even from within your own church, right. because it is a very complicated area of law. So uh, you want to have the best help that you can. And in the long run, that will probably be less expensive for you as well. And the third issue area um, is uh, financial uh, financial crises. We look at financial um, crises that could be short-term, but also uh, specifically long-term challenges related to the national debt. What can we do financially to prepare for those uh, those kind of challenges as well? And we have pro professional financial planners that help us uh, with that part of the seminar. So, yeah, wow. Well, let's let's go back and kind of kind of dig into these just a, a little bit. Um, so the very first one, being prepared for emergencies, um, it strikes me that if we are, if our lives are hidden in Christ and our eternal destiny is secure, then, wow, shouldn't our mission and effort in a crisis be to reach out with the hands of Jesus, with the feet of Jesus, with the love of Jesus, to help someone else find him and secure their eternal destiny as opposed to holding up in a bunker with our stocked, uh, stockpiled dry goods and ammunition. Uh, speak to that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think this is where um, our culture has left us underprepared for these kind of crises. And the whole idea of... Um, um, too much individualism mm. and selfishness and convenience and comfort um, are driving our decisions and our lifestyles and, and, and how we spend our, our money and our time. Um, when you look back in church history, one of the things that, that helped the early church grow the most in the second and third centuries is that Christians were one of the few groups of people, and, and sometimes in certain communities, the only people that would care for plague victims. Yeah. And they did this at the risk of losing their own lives, and many of them did lose their own lives. And one of the early church fathers that we quote in our, in our seminars said that we consider it a privilege and an honor to do this, that it was a privilege and an honor for them 
to risk and sometimes lose their lives in caring for those people. And that is no small reason why the early church exploded is because they saw these people doing supernatural, I mean, truly supernatural sacrificial things. And, 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 and those, those Christians knew that to die was gain. And that is why we, 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 we again and again say self-preservation cannot be the be all and end all here. It doesn't mean that you might need not, might not need to protect your family um, or occasionally yourself in, in, in very set specific circumstances, but self-preservation alone um, is not a Christ-worthy goal. Uh, serving and loving people and helping them into the kingdom um, is, is by far the, the, the better way to go. So, Why aren't we doing that more consistently in the body of Christ? Is, is that a discipleship issue? Is it, uh, is it fear? Is it us paying too much attention to cultural news and secular resources? Uh, what, what would you say keeps us from having, even those who claim to be followers of Jesus, keeps us from having that mindset and acting on it? I think it's a combination of all of the, of all of the above. I think that our culture... Um, I mean, America, uh, rugged individualism has been part of American culture for a long time. And there are parts of that that are good in terms of personal responsibility and things like that. But too much of it um, leads to selfishness and uh, uh, separation. I mean, uh, m- people in other cultures are much more attuned to being plugged into a community and they feel a sense of responsibility to their community in America where we each have our, our, our home and we live in the suburbs. You know, you've heard this before. People don't know their neighbors. They just drive into their nice home and it's air conditioned and their car is, and they go to the supermarket and Best Buy and buy their toys and their food and just hold up inside. And there is not a sense of building community. And um, I, I think that, that, that Christians, unfortunately, just go along with that flow. And unless we actively and purposefully uh, work to build community in our neighborhoods uh, and beyond and, uh, and in our church, uh, we just fall into that kind of selfish, insular trap. Yeah. And, and I think the pandemic, I know for me personally, it's, it's interesting that the, the pandemic, um, when there were restrictions on meeting together with the church and that sort of thing, there are folks in my neighborhood that I know are Christ followers that go to different churches and so finally, I walked around just on my street, there are about 12 houses, and and went to everyone and invited guys to be part of a men's group that I, I started in my backyard at the fire pit. Um, because I am convicted that we need to build community in our community. And um, now only a couple of guys are participating in this. So, um, But it's rich because we're able... I, it, it forced me to go and meet some other people and to know who they are, to know some of the things going on in their lives, to be able to pray for them, to be able to have a conversation with them. And and so I am leaning into and praying into doing a better job of being in community in my community. And um, so I I think there's a there's an encouragement for us there somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I think the thing that you did, like I, I, I'm, I'm an extrovert. I love yeah. people. And I've been reaching out to my neighbors ever since uh, yeah. I moved onto the street. But the pandemic has provided an opportunity for us to do that if we'll seize it, yeah. if we'll take it, you know, and move beyond Netflix to actually doing the kind of thing that you did, 
That's of right. Reaching out, you know, reaching out. I mean, a little bit of a little bit of TV and entertainment's fine, but too much is is not. And what you did is a perfect perfect example of that. And the pandemic, as hard as it's been, especially for those who have lost people, lost loved ones, or or um, had very serious health issues from it. Uh, has also provided opportunities for ministry, right. and also of, of of growth opportunities for us of exposing our weaknesses and our tendencies. Because during the pandemic, you know, I know some people that honestly I, I felt like just kind of got selfish. You know, suddenly they didn't have to commute, they didn't have to travel, right. and they and their you know they and their partner just were off together every single night and and not spending time with the community that they had been a part of before. Yeah. And again, a little of that's good, you know, having some more time with a loved one that, that where you'd had a crazy schedule before, that's a good thing, but let's exactly, let's use the opportunity that God opens up even in a crisis to build relationships, to, to serve him more faithfully. Absolutely. Exactly right. Well, so let's, let's jump from the, the emergencies, preparing for emergencies to being aware and preparing for legal challenges. So what does that look like? Give us some specifics that our listeners might need to be paying attention to and aware of um, so that they can kind of adjust to some things here. Right, right. Well, I think one of the things we, we do, because um, we, we usually, we try to give our seminars at churches, and we always have church members and usually some of the church leadership at the seminar and we encourage churches and Christian organizations to to prepare legally um, uh, before they're hit with lawsuits of different kinds to get their bylaws, their church constitutions, and other things in 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 really good shape. And again, please please find folks that are experienced doing this um, rather than relying on well intentioned free legal help. Um, uh, but if, if we can make, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a lot. Right. And I, ha I have a very good friend um, named Rob Showers, who has done a lot of church state law um, for a couple decades now. And, you know, he begs churches to do this uh, beforehand, because if they don't, they can run into a lot of different problems uh, that were avoidable. And if they had just spent, you know, a, a relatively modest amount of money up front, they can avoid much more expensive problems later on that can involve governance. It can involve church staff issues and problems. If the problem comes up with staff, um, church discipline issues that can sometimes get messy and yeah. whether or not your church is covered for that. Um, and, and also, you know, as legislation comes out, um, whether it's uh, here in Virginia where you and I live or elsewhere that could have an implication on, on churches or, uh, Christian organizations or potentially employers and employees, understanding how that legislation or proposed legislation could affect you and what you can do to guard against some of those um, challenges is is very, very wise. Now, so we didn't talk about this in our preliminary conversation, but it occurs to me, I know um, as, as a father of kids that went through the public school system, some of the changes that are coming through with regard to gender issues, and we're seeing things happen in other states where uh, transgender kids, I, I mean, I watch my daughter play basketball, and I think, my goodness, it's fun to watch her, but it's very different when guys play basketball. And if there's a biological male on the court, the game is very different. So 
Mm-hmm. Speak to a little bit. How can parents be aware? What is there a way to to voice or to be involved in the conversation for the typical parent? And this may be outside of your purview because we didn't talk about it. But but any thoughts on that? Yeah, we don't get into school issues uh, as much. Um, that is kind of beyond our our normal uh, purview, our normal uh, scope of discussion, and things like that. But I would just say more broadly and more generally is that Christians need to be salt and light in every area of life, including on school boards, including in the public square, including being knowledgeable about proposed or past legislation. Um, We are not a political uh, nonprofit, but we are able to talk about proposed or um, past legislation. Um, It's something we can do. We don't support parties or candidates in any way. Right. Uh, but, but I think that being salt and light in the public sphere is very important. And um, ha- being active, being attentive, being aware of things, instead of just throwing up your hands and letting things happen, um, uh, I, I think it's just, it's just very important about that. That's how we ought to be disciples. It's how we should be uh, salt and light in society more broadly, more generally. So, so, Let's say a business owner is is listening, and I, I think about Jack Phillips and the saga that he's been through in uh, Colorado, the, the baker. Um, what should business owners be doing or paying attention to? Are there any insights that you might have for, for them? Same sort of thing. Have legal review of your bylaws, constitution, maybe even your business practices, your policies. Yes. Yep. All, all of the above. Um, yeah, all of the above, including, you know, hiring policies, disciplinary policies for employees, things like that. It's just very good for Christians, especially now, uh, to be very careful, good employers and, um, uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, retail people of all kinds. So, yeah, so having, having very good, careful, um, legal help. Uh, is is important because a number of the Christian attorneys that that I'm familiar with, um, you know, there are a couple of firms in Northern Virginia in particular that I know do a lot of this this kind of work, and they do very good work. They do work with companies as well, not just Christian organizations, um, because uh, you know they want to make sure that that Christian employers and employees sometimes are are well represented and are doing things the right way, and, and given wherever the law is, okay, the law is moving, the law is changing. We need to we need to move with it and and pivot um, our approach and and uh, what we're doing based on 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 the ever changing landscape. So that's right. And and back to that Ephesians passage: Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. So so being aware of all of those things. Um, let's move to that third area where you mentioned being prepared for financial crisis. Um, and so what does that look like? What are you guys doing to assist folks in that area or to encourage and equip them and resource them? Yeah, that's a great question. And again, we do have professional financial planners that come and do that part of the seminar. Right. Uh, it's, imp- it's important to have somebody who's licensed and somebody hopefully who's a fiduciary who has a responsibility to put his client ahead of his or her own financial interest. Because right. that's not always the case. Right. Uh, it's, uh, not all financial planners are fiduciaries, and um, you know you want to you want to have somebody who whose financial interests are, are are synonymous with yours, and they don't have a conflict of interest. 
And but but basically, you know, we we one of the things that we try to do in our seminars is to is to is is to have people um, look at at uh, having a lifestyle that has margin in it, both in terms of money and time. We talk, because we are a huge believer that you have to prepare spiritually first before doing emergency preparation or financial preparation. Why? Because if you don't have your heart in the right place and understand biblical principles, you will do these other kinds of preparations, most likely for the wrong reasons, based on fear or selfishness. Um, and uh, uh, if, if we have a lifestyle where we have extra money and extra time on a regular basis, okay, where we have margin and hopefully good margin, if a crisis comes up, we're already in a place to share some of our resources or time or both already because we've been living that way on a regular basis. And in terms of the financial planning, you know, we obviously, our financial advisor friends encourage diversification, but they also look at what the long-term effects of the national debt are likely to be. Lord knows recently, I mean, that's just been, I mean, both Republicans and Democrats have right. so much red ink on their hands. Nobody can point a finger at the other ones. It's tough. Yeah. So, you know, we don't we don't get into the blame game because there's so much responsibility in both parties. Everybody's for, for got their hand in the cookie jar it, here. It, oh, my God. And so um, so uh, so so we, 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 we look we, we help them to do short term, but also long term planning with that in mind. But we also talk about biblical principles of stewardship mm-hmm. that both tithing and God's command about the Sabbath rest show that God has claim to our money and our time. Mm-hmm. It all belongs to him. Right. And we need to hold our money and our time lightly. And the more that we can live more modest lifestyles in terms of spending, the more that we will be able to give sacrificially um, um, late, later on or in a crisis. And, you know, one of the questions that I ask people is, for example, is uh, you, you saved up for retirement. And suppose somebody else hasn't, um, but now they are in great need and they are in repentance and remorse for not planning. And now a crisis is, is, on, uh, is, is upon us. Is it possible that part of what you have diligently saved, God wants you to give to them to be generous and to be kind the way he has been with you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, because we tend to think, well, I saved, I saved, I saved. And it gets like Aesop's fable, you know what I'm saying? Where, yeah, where, uh, yeah, and um, and uh, you know, well, I say, but you didn't, and you. So we really need to be careful and to say, Lord, what do you want me to do with my time or even my retirement? Is it possible that He wants you to retire more modestly, in order to give away some of what you saved up? Just as an example. Um, so. And so I don't know if that, that covers that adequately, but that's, that's well. I think it's huge, and and the part that that blows my mind is so often when we do give, we do it with a quid pro quo sort of mindset that there is going to be something that comes back to me, or there's strings attached to the gift. Um, and if we're going to live like Jesus, then there is a freedom in giving. Uh, that says, I, I'm doing this because I've received so much. I mean, I'm just restating what you said, but that is an incredibly difficult 
posture to achieve, even for those of us who are walking or seeking to walk faithfully with, with Jesus, to reach that point where we have a heart of generosity that says, I want to give this with no expectation, completely open-handed. How, yes. how do we get to that point? Well, I, I would say, you know, discipline, um, repenting quickly when, 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 when closed handedness comes up yeah. and when your own selfishness to repent quickly, when you see it, to obviously have good accountability with people, including, and we talk about this in our seminars, have someone like another couple that you trust, maybe a mentor, show them your finances. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like have, a, like have accountability in how you're laying out your money, how you're spending your money, or how you're spending your time. You know, if you're in a, a trusted small group um, of maybe couples or single guys or married and single men, whatever, um, think about having accountability with 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 careful, wise people. Sure. You don't want to, you know, show your finances to just anyone, but you know, have some accountability, get some feedback about these things, um, um, and and yeah, and so. So that we can spur each other on to good deeds yeah. in that area of our life. Living out Hebrews for sure. Wow. So that's an intriguing challenge. You know, I think about this. Um, used to be involved in the construction industry, and there were uh, there were groups of contractors who would they were in non competing areas of the country, but they would get together like ten guys, and they would show their books and everything. I mean, they just reveal everything to some other guys so that they could get input and hear wisdom. And it's, it's incredibly, uh, you are laid bare when you do that, but boy, when there's no place to hide, uh, some, some idols can be, uh, removed from your life in that way pretty quickly, or, or they can come to light. So that's an intriguing thought to have someone where you would expose yourself at that level for that type of, um, Input. accountability yeah. and input. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. So, all right, you, you mentioned spiritual preparation. I want to circle back to something that um, I, I thought I would get into earlier, but I, but I jumped the gun on this. Joseph's Way. You call this Joseph's Way because of the model that Joseph set of living out this type of experience where he was preparing. He led um, Egypt to prepare for the coming famine. So talk about how God used the life of Joseph and all those difficulties and challenges to prepare him for the moment when he would have this tremendous responsibility to be a steward and to uh, to care for God's people. Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, let's start back real quickly at the beginning of Joseph's life. Um, he was uh, He was rather spoiled. He was dad's favorite. He was not very careful or careful at all about showing that, and uh, it created bitterness and envy, obviously, in his brothers, which they then responded to, or or uh, or didn't respond to. They they then allowed that to grow to s- such animosity that they were thinking of killing him. And as as a fallback, thanks to one of his brothers persuading them, they sold him into slavery. So you know, G- Joseph was not a perfect young man. At, his, at that young, you know, young teenage, in those young teenage years. But, but what we see in his life throughout, when he got sold into slavery and, late, and then was wrongfully accused um, by 
his master, Potiphar's wife, wrongfully thrown into prison. And again, an unair conditioned prison yeah. in Egypt that was what that was repeatedly referred to as the pit, the pit. Mm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so let's be careful about what we, what, how much entitlement we think we have to, yeah. to comfort. Um, but the thing is, is that Joseph understood God's sovereignty, mm-hmm. even in the middle of those hard circumstances. And in our seminars, we discussed, this is one of the big things that we talk about for spiritual preparation is understanding God's love and God's sovereignty in the middle of hardship or suffering. Um, we're, you know, Americans, we've been very spoiled, many of us compared to most of the world and most of church history um, and biblical history. We've been very spoiled. Well, Joseph suddenly knew what it was not to be spoiled. He was, it was, it was the opposite. And, and despite all of the hardships and the unjust treatment that he received repeatedly, there's not a single instance that we see of him getting bitter. Yeah. And he responded to those hardships as, as near as we can tell, like beautifully. And it says again and again, because of the way in which he responded, it says God was with him. God was with him. So, so Joseph had clearly a sense of God's presence and God's blessing and God's favor, even in those challenging, challenging and difficult times that allowed him to grow and mature and to honor God in the middle of crisis after crisis, injustice after injustice, uh, injustice, excuse me. And uh, he, he provides a tremendous example of how to respond to personal hardship and to prepare for national hardship, because it, we have to look at both. Right. We have to know how to respond to personal hardship in a way that honors and glorifies God, but also how to make wise preparations for potential national hardship in a way that will allow us to help other people. Wow. So there's so much there. And it, and it just, it, you and I did talk about this in our, in our preliminary conversation that, um, we have to understand that God is using every moment of our lives to prepare us for something next, whatever that is. And so when we go through hardships, we can complain, we can bellyache and all that stuff. Um, and But God may use that, he often does, so that we can then be wise because of what we've been through uh, to, to help ourselves, but also to help other folks who may be dealing with similar situations. And so we have to begin to see that with God's eyes and not uh, privileged American eyes, I think. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's, uh, you know, one, one, there was a burn victim from 9-11, um, a man who's a very strong Christian, and he and his wife ended up doing tours after 9-11 um, and, and sharing his story and testimony and he was mentioning just how painful it was to have his burns treated, his wounds, his yep. burn wounds treated after this. And his wife reminded him that nothing happened to you that did not pass through God's hands first. And, and, and sharing that with somebody going through excruciating pain that you love. Yeah. Is, it, 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 it's, it's, it's tough truth, but it's true. And thankfully, she was there to help him and encourage him, and so was the body of Christ. Um, and he had good medical care, but extremely, ext- just a powerful testimony. Um, and you know that that you know I've had physical challenges my my entire life, and God has used those to uh, as one of the primary m- means of shaping me, right? And 
building compassion in me that wouldn't normally be there. Um, so he really, unfortunately, he often, often uses hardship and suffering uh, as, as a primary tool to grow us. It says that Jesus matured as a human through what he suffered. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he had to go through that school of, of suffering and learning, how in the world can we think we're exempt? So let me ask you this, I, and we talked about this a little bit. Can we begin to build our endurance muscles and our suffering muscles our um, for difficult times? And what does it look like to walk in discipline? Because if we feed our flesh and we just go to our what we want, then we're fighting a losing battle all the time. So, so kind of go back into this conversation about how can we work to seek God's preparation in our lives to make sure that we are listening to Him, our ears are tuned to Him, our eyes are focused the way that He wants us to be focused? That's a great question, because um, uh, for, for folks that are in more kind of com- comfortable suburban settings, you know, ha- ha- right, exactly, how do you prepare for a much less comfortable event or whatever? And we right. have to remember that God, God gives grace for our time of need. He, he may not give us the grace before an emergency that he will provide in an emergency, but there are disciplines that we can build, character traits that we can encourage in ourselves and others that will have us uh, more prepared and have us, we will be better clay in the potter's hands for that day of, of disaster should it come. Uh, I think that having disciplines of prayer and of fasting, uh, fasting is a, is a, very important things. You know, Jesus didn't say, if you fast, he said, when you fast, he assumed that we would. And uh, unless you have medical reasons why you can't, it's a beautiful and an important discipline to have. And it helps with self-denial of learning how to deny ourselves um, about having good boundaries uh, as much as we can um, to stay away from things that we need to and, 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 and uh, pursue uh, things that feed our souls rather than than the opposite, feeding the flesh. Um, I think one other thing too to to look at is finding people that are um, are suffering or going through hardship, and co- learning to come alongside of them and walk with them and learn about what it's like to to walk with people, e- even if you're not in a a, a difficult cir- circumstance now. There are people in your community, in your city, that are. And, um, uh, you know, one of the best things I did years ago was to uh, participate in a ministry called STEP, where I prayed and said, Lord, I want to meet a young man, and I would like to, to, to lead him to Christ and to disciple him and to help his family. The first day I volunteered, and this was like 20 years ago up in D.C., um, I met a young man named LeVar, and uh, he and I hit it off immediately. He was only like in the, um, uh, the fifth, maybe the fifth or sixth grade at that point, I stuck with him and with his family for the next six years. And they were in a very poor, underprivileged area of D.C. And now with all the racial issues going along, I, you know, I learned a lot about the layers of problems that right. people in the communities have. Bad schools, bad public transportation, no business, hardly any businesses to, to walk to, to work uh, and 
you know, particularly if they've only have one car for three people in the household. Right. Um, so coming alongside of people that are in those circumstances with empathy and care, not the white guy or the suburban guy, black or white, with all the answers, but to understand what they're going through first and then to walk with them in their daily struggles. Um, that's a, that is another way that we can we could do that now, even if our circumstances are more privileged. It is such a blessing to to be able to sit down and hear another individual's story. I, I have just found great value in sitting with someone and say, tell me your story, because folks, they feel valued, they feel heard, and it does. God uses that to teach us so that we have a different and better understanding of how he loves people and uh, and how we're all created in his image. There's so, the richness of those conversations is just immense. So um, great yeah, word yeah. there. And, and caring for the elderly, you know, yep. that population's growing every day. And so, yeah, so there are opportunities of serving people in, in harder circumstances where we, we end up growing if, if we allow God to do that. Yeah. Let me circle back to the whole fasting thing. You and I mentioned this briefly, but I had a friend who is uh, a father of 10 kids, Robert Sims, and uh, in, in talking to him about preparing your sons for the battle uh, of for purity, um, he said the best advice he ever got, ever received, was to teach his sons how to fast, um, to begin to learn to buffet their body, to uh, bring their bodies into submission and to do that by fasting and that teaches them the self-control I, it, it, not a perfect solution but a part of uh, the battle for purity for young men so I thought that was excellent advice and I think it, it dovetails nicely with what we're talking about here because some of those disciplines we learn pay dividends in other areas of life mm-hmm. that's exactly right and, and so I'll go back. There's a verse that you had cited in some notes, First uh, Timothy 4, 8, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life, but also for the life to come. So right on track saying that we need to make sure that we're investing in spiritual growth and development uh, before we start counting our pennies and... and beans and everything else for emergency exactly. preparation. Hey, so let me let me take this. Um, there, there are a good number of pastors that listen to um, our podcast. So if a pastor was interested in bringing uh, a Joseph's Way seminar to his church, or if someone's listening and they say, wow, this, this is striking a chord with me, I would love to invite uh, our small group to hear from Steve or something like that. What are some ways that folks could take advantage of this sort of teaching through Joseph's Way? How could you help folks multiply what you're doing? I think one way that we could do that for sure that, that, that would be quick and easy is for folks to go to our network um, page and sign up um, sign up for, um, for alerts. Uh, the webpage that they would want to go to is um, josephsway.org, josephsway with an S, uh, josephsway.org is our, is our website. And if you go to josephsway.org slash network, okay. you can sign up for email alerts, email updates, but you can go to um, josephsway.org slash workshops. Okay. And there, 
you can see in summary form all the topics that we can cover and we can tailor uh, presentations and workshops as needed to individual church needs. Um, uh, I, I think that that would be one of the best things to do. And at the bottom of that page, there's a sign-up area. Yeah. So you can go and look, josephsway.org slash workshops, and look there, um, uh, at, look at the topics that we have, go ahead down to the uh, farther down on the page, and then, and then sign up for a workshop. Okay. Um, you, can, you can also email us there, and I'll get that email, uh, and re- I'll respond hopefully within 24 hours, 48 if not, and, um, and, and go from there. And there are lots of other resources sure. that you're aware of on the website as well. We have book resources, audio resources, articles that I've written. Um, so, yeah, so we've uh, and, and websites, links to websites that, that churches may find useful. Sure. And we will link to those in the show notes. So, folks, if you scroll down down through the show notes, you will find some of those links and, and resources and information about how to get back in touch with Steve. Um, I know you do the church. I'm going to ask you something, then we might have to cut this out. Suppose there was a small group of folks that meets on, say, Tuesday nights and would love to have you as a virtual guest for a small group. Would you be open to doing something like that? That's a That's a crazy question. Have you ever thought about that? You know, actually, we, I had not thought about that, but I actually would. Um, when we give the larger seminars, yeah. particularly if we have guest speaker guest speakers coming, sometimes from out of town, right. we do try, we try hard to get a, a minimum number of people, sure. uh, several, several dozen people or more, um, because we sometimes, you know, you know, provide some a stipend or something for right. for folks that, that, that come and help. Um, but yes, uh, if I have the time and the availability. Um, yeah, I, I would be glad to do that. And even if a group of pastors wanted to meet or talk uh, about some of these topics, and um, you know, I, I think the largest seminar we had here in Richmond back in 2013, we had nearly a hundred people participate from more than half a dozen churches. Right. And it was the best one of the yeah one of the best seminars that we we've ever had. And it was great having several churches, Baptist, Presbyterian, and others. Right. That were that were all announcing this, um, giving us time and space to sign up for thing, sign people up uh, for the workshop and the seminar, and uh, it went over several weeks, and we maintained very good attendance and had very very positive feedback. So yeah, it would be wonderful if there were some pastors or others in the same town that could collaborate and and invite all of their churches together. Um, and and meet at a common location. That would be that would be terrific. Yeah, because uh, you know it's one thing for an individual to have this mindset. Um, then it would be quite a different scenario. Be multiplied for an entire family to have a Joseph's Way mindset. But suppose you had a church full of families who had a Joseph's Way mindset, and folks were beginning to see. Um, opportunities to bless others and to live life with some margin so that they're prepared to invest in others to to uh be the hands and feet of jesus and i you know this this is a form of discipleship it's training us so that we can be more like jesus grow more mature in our faith understand stewardship generosity sacrifice i mean these are these are hallmarks of what evangelical Christianity should look like. I'm, I'm afraid it doesn't always look that way to our culture, and we have a responsibility to, and an opportunity 
to lead ourselves, our families, our communities, our churches to live in such a way that God is honored, the community sees Christ come to life, and the kingdom is multiplied. Agree with that? Absolutely. Well, listen, I'm going to guard our time here. I know that we need to shut this down, but what a cool conversation. Uh, Any final words, Steve, for the the guys and and gals who might be listening to us? Um, Any final encouragement? Yeah, I, I would say that 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 the pandemic right now has has perhaps for the first time in in some years shown all of us our vulnerability. Yeah, and um, and and hopefully we've been humbled by that. Mm-hmm. And what we're hoping is that coming out of the pandemic, as churches begin opening up now, I've got my first vaccine shot. I'm getting another one this Friday, thankfully. Um, as churches begin opening up, um, we're hoping that there will be an increased awareness of the need for this kind of Christ-centered, servant-centered preparation that perhaps wasn't there near as much before. And so, and kind of striking while the iron's hot, and while there's still opportunity before the next crisis, whatever it may be, to, to make those preparations. Um, I think I told you, I, I do have a sense in my heart um, that's very, very strong. It's something um, harder than the pandemic maybe down the road. Um, and I think, I think is, and I don't know what or when, but um, in the meantime, um, you know, regardless of, of that, taking these steps now and doing it while the need for it and the wisdom for doing it is, 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 is more obvious and clear. I'm worried. I just don't want people to get back into the normal routine right. and forget the lessons that hopefully we've we've learned through the pandemic. Let's keep those lessons. Let's retain them absolutely and, and build on them. And that's what our our ministry would like we're like would like for for people to do, and we would like to help them do that. So. And guys, you never know what's going to turn out. I was on a call yesterday with a guy from Houston, Texas, who was without power for four days. I mean, that's on the lighter side of some of those scenarios. And he said, folks in Houston are just not prepared for nine degree weather. And so who would have ever guessed that it would be nine degrees in Houston and the power would be out? I mean, there's still power out in, in, in some areas. Yes, there are certain parts of Houston that have been had no power for a month. Yeah, for an entire month, and we try to get people to prepare for at least a month with no power. If they can prepare for more, do it, and please, you know, buy supplies to give away if you can. Um, but yeah, that means no running water, no gas pumps, no ATMs. I mean, you know, yeah. So uh, prepare for a minimum of a week, but a month if you can. Yeah. Uh, here in Richmond, there were areas of the city that were what that were without power for half a month right. uh, just a few years ago. Well, well, thank you for sharing your wisdom, Steve. What a great time. And uh, we will look forward to staying in touch and hopefully you'll have some folks follow up and uh, we might see if, uh, when, when and if we get back to doing conferences, we'll have more workshops and uh, we'll look for other opportunities to share Joseph's way with uh, the folks in the Noble Warriors community. God bless you, friend. Mike, thank you so much. And thanks for all of your, your work with men. Well, folks, that closes us out for episode number 55 of the Noble Man podcast. We've heard from Steve Hall. Join us next week for another installment of April Wisdom. And uh, we will look forward to talking with you then for episode number 56. God bless you, men. 